0: Hello and welcome to Jordi, Happiness Hero. I am here <laughs> with Cassidy Lee, who is joining me from Pocatello, Idaho. Are you still in Pocatello? I am. Perfect. Yes. From Pocatello, Idaho. And the reason I asked Cassidy to be here, I have to tell you about the first time I ever came to know about Cassidy's existence. I was working at the Palace Theater in Pocatello. And I always, even when I, before I worked there, but it was usually a, a norm for me to be helping with auditions out in the front, you know, checking people in, taking their pictures, doing all that kind of stuff to help with auditions. And at the time we were doing auditions for the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I've talked about here on here, I wasn't going to audition because I did not feel very confident, but I got talked to going in and da-da-da-da. But I'll never forget is I don't know if it was the first or second day of auditions, but they came out after auditions, the directing team, and they were like, oh my gosh, like There was this girl, George, you should have, like, it was crazy. And they just kept saying, like, when you, when you sang, they were like, who is this? And what is she doing in Pocatello, Idaho? And they were just perplexed. And they're like, (laughs) and she doesn't want a main role. Like, they're like, she only wants, like, you know, background or ensemble or anything like that. And they were just dumbfounded and they were talking about you should saw her resume you should have saw it she's been trained all over the world like they're like we've never heard like she's this teeny teeny little like vessel and then out comes this unworldly this huge beautiful voice and they just they were uh, they were talking about and i was like oh geez i gotta meet this girl and like honestly I expected when I met you because I've met a lot of performers I expected you to be a little bit of a diva I expected you to be more uppity but you were not at all you were the most humble kind sweet little tiny package I'd ever met and we went oh, on and thank you oh so good we did hunchback <laughs> and dom together and I worked at the theater so I ended up Uh, Oh, I I assistant directed Legally Blonde, and you got, that was like your first, I think your first lead role in a musical, right?
1: Right, yeah, I got to play Serena, and actually she is a little bit of a diva, so that was a fun... (laughs) Oh, really it fun was story. so
0: cute. I remember you were very nervous about it, but you did such a good job. I remember your audition for that one because I got to sit in on all the auditions, auditions for that as assistant director. I got help with some of the casting and all those kind of things. And I remember being like, Cassidy can do anything. Like She's going to kill it. She's going to kill it, Estrina. And you did. You were fantastic. And then you went on to do other stuff. Um, I One of the later shows before we moved was Singing in the Rain. And Oh my goodness! If you've never—I don't care if you live a few hours away—take the time to drive to Pocatello, Idaho, and see a show at the Palace Theater because their production value is incredible. And this is from somebody who has seen shows, musicals performed all over the country, Broadway everywhere. It is a teeny little venue, but it is the production value is astounding. And one of the amazing, like one of their greatest feats, I think, feel like they've ever accomplished was singing in the rain and they had an actual thunderstorm rainstorm on stage during
1: the musical number that's right it was uh yeah uh jenna's husband's family has the like the hot tub place Uh and he came in and he built this whole network and so when it rained it was warm and it smelled like hot tub water (laughs) yes yes so it was actually not uncomfortable to stand (laughs) in <laughs> yeah, and it was really nice.
0: it was amazing. It was a spectacle, but it was just, and then the talent in that production of Singing in the Rain was phenomenal. And this was your first. I mean, you did Serena, which is a lead role, but then you were. I'm sorry, but I don't remember the.
1: the... No, uh, it was uh, Kathy Selden. Uh, I grew up watching the sh- the movie, and I absolutely loved it. And it was like a family classic. So I always thought, huh, like I I think I can relate a little bit to Kathy and she seems like like a a character I could play and I was I was really excited when I actually saw the the list uh and the the director had had me as that character so I I got really excited at work I told everybody
0: (laughs) oh of course and you were really fun you were phenomenal in that role it was so good I always knew you you were just wicked talented but you're so humble you are like oh I don't know I don't know and it's like yes you can (laughs) you can do anything and it was. So good. I have yet to see you in a musical or in any kind of performing role when you just are not astounding. So and I, oh, we're about to talk about the whole so history it. of that because you were literally educated all over the world, not just in music, but in general. And I, I can't wait to just pick your brains about it. So I will, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit since we went on that tangent. I always go on tangents. Introduce yourself oh, yeah. <laughs> and then tell us three random facts about yourself.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I'm Cassidy Lee. Um, my maiden name was Cassidy Kane. So I got married right before I moved uh, to Pocatello. Um, and I guess I'm 28. Uh, three facts about me. Uh, one would be I was born in Garmisch partenkirchen Germany. It's a little like ski resort town. And uh, when military people come from Iraq, a lot of the time, uh, family will meet them there. Uh, at a a hotel on the American base called the Edelweiss. So I was born in a German hospital. So I actually don't have a classic like birth certificate. My husband and I compared them once just for funsies. (laughs) Uh, What I actually have is a consular report of birth abroad signed by the American embassy. So it just means that like I was born in Germany, but America claims me as a citizen. (laughs) So it's it's interesting. I I have a dual citizenship because of that. So uh, yeah. and let's see, uh, number two would be that, yeah, my schooling's been all, all over the place. Uh, I've been to American schools in the U.S. and the ones on the uh, military bases. Um, I've been in international schools. I was in one in Moscow, Russia. And then the other one for high school was in Vienna, Austria. And kids are just from all over the world in the uh, in the international schools. And then I was also homeschooled periodically throughout that whole time. So it was... Um, very well-rounded education uh, and three would probably it, it would be that I I have been learning to sing mainly classically since I was about seven so I've been extremely blessed to have that kind of extra facet um, into certain, certain life. I've, I've been able to see performances places. I've been able to perform a lot of places and I've had teachers from all over the place that, <laughs> that it's been joked. People can't pronounce their names. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are three things about me.
0: <laughs> awesome. I think that is so cool. I love, I, I just, I can't even imagine the value in being able to have that experience learning all over the world in all these different ways, because I, as you said, it's very well rounded. And I feel like that teaches you in and of itself so much. Um, so, the oh, quote yes. of the day that I chose for your interview is by Oliver Wendell Holmes, and it is A mind that is stretched by an experience can never go back to its old dimensions. I really liked that quote because you mm-hmm. growing up, we're like you said, very fortunate to have all of these new experiences. And I feel like once you've traveled the world, once you've been in all these different places, your mind can't go back to what it was before. Like you learn new things, you grow, you know, you know, things that you wouldn't know without that.
1: Yeah, yeah I can agree with that. <laughs> we already touched yeah.
0: on your origin story a little bit in the, but it, tell us more, like, how did life lead you all around the oh. world, and then eventually plant you in Pocatello, Idaho, of all places?
1: Okay, um, so like I said, I was born in Germany, uh, and then we moved when I was three, and I lived in North Carolina for a little bit, but then they moved us back to <laughs> Moscow, Russia. Um, oh yeah, you're in North Carolina.
0: Which Russia. which base were you at?
1: Uh, so it was uh, Cherry Point.
0: Oh, Cherry Point. See, I'm. Uh, I'm we're right by Camp <laughs> Lejeune. My daughter is on the campus oh. and, like, swim team, so like I drive out there several times a week to take my daughter to swim.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I liked North Carolina as a kid. As an adult, I'm not as much of a fan of the hot weather, so maybe, oh. <laughs> maybe it'd be different. Also, mosquitoes come straight from hell. Yes. Like they
0: do. yes. Oh, my <laughs> so... gosh. Mosquitoes in the summer. Uh, little.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm ready for them to yeah, go back like to hell. Bubble. I'm ready for them to go back <laughs> to hell for once they came.
1: Furries, <laughs> <A phrase. laughs> <You> little jerks, <laughs> living vampires. So yeah, and then um, after North Carolina, uh, I moved to Moscow, Russia when I was like seven. Um, like I said, that's, that's where I got my first singing instructor. His name was Vladimir. He was Russian. Um, we lived on this American embassy in the middle of Moscow. So a lot of embassies, or a lot of countries have their embassies there. Um, and an embassy is basically it's a sovereign land of the country. So legally it is that country. So it's really heavily guarded. And if you mess with it, you're basically declaring war on it. Um, so the housing above was above ground, but the whole rest of the place was below it, like a bomb shelter. And there were levels and levels and levels of offices and family was only allowed to go down a a few levels. So I don't know how low it was. Um, I was there when the Twin Towers were hit on 9-11. And so it was. Yeah. Uh, But there's a a really amazing memory with that. Uh, The Russian people actually came and left flowers, hundreds of flowers around the edges of the embassy walls to show their that they were they felt terrible, um, and to wanted to support Americans. Um, my dad was the Marine Attaché. Uh, it's a person on the staff of the ambassador, typically with like a specialized kind of responsibility. Uh, he tracked down, um, prisoner of war, missing in action people, but he doesn't talk a lot about it. Um, but my mom was the Marine Attaché's wife and her job was to host parties for representatives from other countries and make friends with their wives because wives hear a lot. (laughs) Um, and, and because it took so much time, the American base hired like a nanny to take care of us uh, and then also servers to show up and serve the food that she cooked so she could hang out and, and talk to people awesome. with my dad. Um, and we they, we were brought to some parties at different embassies when we were when it was allowed, so it was really cool because each embassy is like a little microcosm of that country. So the Indian base had this amazing smell of the traditional food, and I got like henna on my hands. Um, and I guess diplomacy was really important, so they put me in that international school, and they were like, "Okay, make friends." And these are all kids from people that like the the ambassador from China and the ambassador from India, and so. It was really cool. My My eighth birthday was basically just like an excuse to have all these people over. <laughs> um, and I have a lot of really cool stories from Russia, but I don't think I have time. <laughs> um, uh, everything was bugged just so yeah, I didn't know when I was eight, but like cars and everything were bugged and we were followed. Um, and then I was in North Carolina again. And then when I was in uh, 11, we went to Garmish and I was on the school and um, in the American base. And um, like I said, it's a ski resort town. So during that period, uh, it was K through 8th. And um, what they would do is in the winter, they would have what they call Wonderful Wednesdays. So they would put us on a bus uh, after lunch and we'd just go ski for the rest oh. of the day. Uh, it was really cool. <laughs> not bad right there. Um... Uh, no, it was, that was one of the best middle school experiences. Um, I was in Virginia for a year. And then, and then I went to to Germany for the last time. Um, I went to uh, an international school. Oh, well, actually my parents put me in the German school first. Instead of going to the American school in Munich, they sent me to uh, the German school. So I went to a girls uh a girls' school called Saint God's Gymnasium, um, and and just to put it into a little context, if you don't if you don't know already, uh, Germans split kids after fifth grade into three different levels of schooling. Um, so, gymnasium is where you go to prep for university because of your top like, you get top scores. Um, middle scores go to Riaz Shula, which is just like a normal high school that trains you for any kind of normal job. Um, and then kind of like low scores, kids that really aren't interested in continuing schooling or just want to go to like a trade school and learn how to do something else, go to uh, Schutte Shula, which is lovingly referred to by a curse word, you could probably guess. <laughs> Nobody likes it. <laughs> it's Schutte Schule. So, um, yeah. <laughs> So I, I kind of struggled a lot with the German, but my little sister was younger, so she picked up the language quickly. Uh, and so she continued and she went co- to gymnasium and I went to the Schutte Schule for a little bit because, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I just switched over. I, I had a person visit and they knew that I, I sang. And so they invited me to move to the international school in Vienna. And um, it was uh, called Amadeus International School. So their emphasis was on music. So there's a lot of sister schools for this place. So when I was there, we got to to uh, go to Portugal to visit the the school that specializes in sports. Um, I got to go to a lot of the many, many, many opera houses there. Uh, yeah. It was really cool. We, we sang at old folks homes. Um, I got to do a concert with some of my schoolmates in Beethoven's family home. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, which is really cool. <laughs> of course, his his family home would have its own little personal concert hall. <laughs> um, and the school, this is the the school that got some of the best, the, the greatest teachers I've ever met. Uh, Ildika Raimondi was, um, she's a soprano for the Vienna State Opera House. She was this, she's this amazing, amazing person. Um, and yeah, and then from there, I, I guess I just, I graduated, I went to college in the States and then I married my husband and we moved to Idaho where I am now. That was your husband. That was a lot. I'm sorry. Your husband's
0: not military though, is he?
1: (laughs) No, his dad was military. Uh, and my dad was military. So we just kind of moved to the same place and became adults ish while we were there and we got jobs in the same place. So my, my dad, when we moved to Germany that last time, um, he got a job at the George C. Marshall Center, which is like a college that helps. Uh, it brings in people from uh, all different countries and teaches about uh, anti-terrorism and stuff. So he was teaching there and I basically was doing like internship stuff <laughs> and uh, yeah, secretary work. <laughs> so um, yeah, my husband was uh, the IT person. And so he kept having to fix my computer because I have <laughs> zero luck with technology, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then so that's kind of how we met. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, referring <laughs> back to today's quote
0: about stretching those horizons, how did growing up and being educated all over the world stretch your horizons?
1: Okay. Um. Well, I I saw a lot of different places that you only really. You read about them in history books, but you get to actually see those places um so that was that was one really interesting thing. It really kind of cements history for you in your mind but uh more so i I met a lot of different people um and there's a lot of different opportunities out there um a lot of different people to meet and and in the end even though we have like the language barriers and cultural differences you find out that humans are all the same (laughs) we all want the same things um so you can make friends with anybody really uh so that's that's kind of one thing (laughs) one big human family that's that's something that i
0: always love about doing interviews for this podcast is the people that I interview are all so different, like very, very different humans, but there are commonalities between all of us. You know, we are all living this mm-hmm. human experience and art, especially like music, is a way that we express that common human experience and then other people, it speaks to them. They, you know, see themselves in the art and it speaks to their souls and that forms these commonalities between all people. It doesn't matter where you're from. And I... Love yeah. it. That's what I love about podcasting. <laughs> it's what I love about art. That's what I love about so many things. And travel, like, oh, such a beautiful experience. It has to make you like a more mm-hmm. empathetic person and a more just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: it gets you outside of the box because, I mean, it's really, I, I, I always used to think it must be really nice to grow up in the same town and know people from kindergarten and and grow up and, and go to each other's weddings. And, you know, and that's one that's One situation but you also you need to go see all these different places because otherwise they just they're just words and pictures and the people feel like this totally alien race and i know you you, when you go and and you see other countries and places and talk to people it's it's just they're all people yes very humanizing for it's not
0: just an idea they're humans they're just like you and i think that when you talked about the kind gestures from the people in russia when they you know put flowers all around the embassy after 9-11 it just especially right now like what a perfect way to illustrate that yeah there's might be some terrible things that are being said about russia in the news or that are being done by their leaders or anything like that When it comes down to it the people are just other people you know
1: yes um yeah russia and china particularly in the news right now um and and the politicians the 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 up top people i guess they're they're kind of the face of everything and they're kind of calling the shots but I have Chinese friends and I have Russian friends and you have to feel bad for like just the normal citizens that are just trying to live their lives and enjoy time with their families and follow their dreams. Cause they're it's, it's not the country and like the Chinese people or the Russian people. It's, it's the, the politicians up top. So it's, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. And I think that's very easy to forget when you've never ever met someone from that country, you know, <laughs>
1: Right. When it's never yeah. been humanized for
0: you, when you've never made a friend that is from one of those places, um, my last interview was actually with, uh course, cousin and his wife, who both lived in Russia, who both speak Russian, um, and they oh, wow. they have a deep love for Russia. They have a deep love for the people there. Not necessarily I mean, they have a deep love for the people there. A deep appreciation because they lived there. They. It's more than just this mm-hmm. bad word that they hear, in the media. It's real. You know, it's it's reality. So. Yeah. i think that's amazing all right so what are some of the educational experiences you had and you already touched on a few of these you've had living in other countries <laughs> that you wouldn't have gotten to experience inside the states if you would if you'd grown up at one school from kindergarten to 12th grade and lived the small town life or whatever
1: <laughs> oh okay um well i've talked about field trips a lot uh, which you can obviously do in the states, but like I said, there's a lot of historical sites that are one thing in the textbook and another thing in real life. So the the castle that the Disney castle designed off of, uh, we took a tour of the Neuschwanstein Castle. There are just as many castles in Germany as you hear. I absolutely recommend going over there. <laughs> um, I got to see Rome. I got to see uh, Athens, Greece, uh, which is homeschooling. And apparently a cruise counts as homeschooling as a field trip if you take enough tours, um, <laughs> which was great. Um, but one particular thing. Um, I think that's thing. the best kind of homeschooling. Like, you're not going to learn. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah, that's.
0: I think that's brilliant. <laughs> Ultimate field trip. It's
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have fun with it because otherwise it, it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't stick unless you really involve yourself in it. Um, and then, so one particular thing, when I was going to German school, uh, the grade that I was in was actually studying World War II. So it was seeing World War II from the, the perspective of Germans and how they're teaching kids about the history. And basically they go over how it happened a lot and how to keep from, from having it happen again um but in order to do that they put us on a bus and they took us to the dachau uh, concentration camp and you can read about it in the the history books uh you can read about the absolutely horrendous treatment of people but it always kind of feels like a story until you walk through those gates and you take the tours of the gas chambers and see this massive collection of the confiscated like shoes and coats and just like stuffed animals from kids that they took from people i'm sorry that got really fabulous really sad really fast but it was yeah that's that's something that you don't experience without going going to places and really seeing it after world war ii germany is another
0: country that even to this day people still have biases you know biases and prejudice against the german people when they don't know anything about the german people or what actually happened oh, and yeah. i've taken trainings from yad Vashem, i believe is the school in jerusalem the the oh wow and i've ta- i mean obviously remote i've taken trainings on how to teach the holocaust to middle and high school kids and they would always say we want to show them the trauma we want to teach them how it happened you know like all of those important steps to it not just like we want to lead them through the trauma without traumatizing them like the students oh. and, and like, i always loved that yeah. that was the approach they took to it like we're not gonna trauma you know traumatize the students Mm -hmm. and i think that's going to teach them we want to lead them through the trauma without actually traumatizing them and i think that's yeah and one of the things they talk about is that if you really want a powerful a powerful education about world war ii and about the holocaust one of the best places that does that is germany because they Mm -hmm. are a proud country and they want to say hey These horrible things happen in our country. This is why they happen. This is what led to them happening. And this is how we prevent it, like you said. And which is, I think, every curriculum anywhere in the world can learn from that. And that's not the only homicide that ever happened. And they're they're still happening. They're every, or genocide. I didn't mean homicide. I meant genocide. That's, (laughs) it's not the only place, right? For for some reason, like, Mm -hmm. well, maybe just because it's still so close to home, because there's still people who remember things like Core has a cousin this grandpa's first cousin that lives in Pocatello now, and we had a very close relationship with her. She, her family, hid Jewish people in their house in Holland during World War II. And, like, it was a very traumatizing event for her, so she doesn't talk about it very much because it was so scary because they knew at any point they could get caught. And if they got caught, they were, you know, going to have the same fate as the people, you know? Same boat. But, Mm -hmm. so it's still real. It's still more but Maybe that's why we focus so much on... But we don't focus enough. I, at the school I taught at last year, or the year before, it's time is a blur for me. Uh, I got to, at, at Connor Academy, I got to work there. And the teacher I worked with was phenomenal. And he gave me a lot of, like, leeway to teach and to do things and to build curriculum. And I love building curriculum. But I did a unit on the Holocaust. I even had a private donor from Washington, D.C., donate this money to me so that I could order all the books I wanted to do for a Holocaust book club with the kids. It was fantastic. But one of the big things I taught was the foundations of it. Like, where did this start? Propaganda. Like, talking about all these kind of things. Talking about the pyramid of Mm hate. How it doesn't just come overnight like it builds from the little things it builds from stereotypes it builds from generalizations and after that in the pyramid of hate it just gets higher and higher and higher until you accumulate with genocide this is the kind of thing that's mm-hmm. so important like i i want schools to teach us but
1: there's so much pushback about it and like no this is the history. Yeah, i'm not sure why this is because the, the problem is you have all these yeah, we have all these stories, and it's like all these post-apocalyptic stuff, like the Hunger Games and everything, and people watch them, and it's entertainment, so it's like, no, this doesn't actually happen, and, and it almost kind of starts to make the stories about the Holocaust and the concentration camps into, like, this, you know, just, just post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. fiction, and it's like, no... People were actually treated like this. Yeah, this is real. And it can happen again. At the school I was at. And one of the reasons why I was so
0: adamant about doing this and teaching it is because they had had parents the year before that were like, do not teach our kids the Holocaust. It is not real. It is. And I was like, what? Like, what? Like, Who I'm... taught them? Yeah. Like, 100%. I'm gonna. I'm gonna teach this now because. And I did include in my. Yeah. Like, while I taught about the Holocaust and that was like the main folks, I also taught about yes, this is one genocide, but then I'd give them facts about all these other genocides that have happened throughout history and that are still happening. And they would have to be like, oh, like figure out the different countries of these different, like to to kind of open their eyes. Like, this is not a one-time thing. This is why we learn about the pyramid of hate. This is why we learn about Mm -hmm. how hate grows and it doesn't come from nothing. And then it accumulates with genocide. And that's what happened in that period of time. And what a powerful thing to be there Mm -hmm. with the people that you know, the grandchildren, the great grandchildren of the people who lived through it, mm-hmm. who are trying to yeah. it's important in Germany, it's important to them to teach their kids because they are like, we cannot let this happen again. Um,
1: yeah, my uh, my friend brought in her grandfather's uh, Nazi uniform and, and let us like I held his helmet. Oh. <laughs> it was it was really, really interesting. And she's like, yeah, it's the uh, it people got kind of it. there was like the space of fear. And then making people just hate people without all the information. And then uh, a lot of it was also making people feel like they were in a group. I think that's also how like the KKK kind of oh, got, got that too. They made it a club and then they, they made people feel included and people do anything to feel included. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, there's a book called uh, Die Welle in German. It's called The Wave. It's a, a really good book. If you're looking at just being able to see how that that kind of happens, because it's it's a basically a story about this teacher who does this experiment where he recreates the conditions of of creating like a, a Nazi soldier group kind of, and the class ends up dividing into factions and. And it goes really, really, really badly. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually
0: familiar with that book. It's one of the ones I researched. You
1: are! I'm so glad! I was was
0: researching (laughs) it when I was looking into books about the Holocaust that would be beneficial to kids. And I don't think that's one of the ones I ultimately picked because it was just a little too much. Like, I'm already dealing with parents, Mm. some parents who don't even believe in the Holocaust. Like, I don't want to push it too far. But I did include a a nonfiction book that was about the Hitler Youth um hitler's boys or something like that i can't remember the title right off the top of my head but it was also a very powerful nonfiction book about like this is how it happened like if you're this is what it was like to live through it like Mm -hmm. we're not the monsters yeah it's necessarily (laughs)
1: yeah thank goodness for literature (laughs) yes and art
0: Mm, literature is part of art but
1: and art i'm a big proponent Mm -hmm. for that all right,
0: so music well, yeah
1: literature yeah. literature art,
0: music this ties us right back to music because music is your <laughs> your forte, but music and performing is a big part of who you are. How did it serve you on your journey, and who is your favorite composer
1: okay, um music, like I said, music got me into certain facets of of life that a lot of military kids might not even get to experience. So my teacher, uh, she gets free tickets from the opera because she sings. So she got me a, a box seat to uh, an opera called Rusalka, which is as one of my favorite songs of all time. So um, it allowed me to go beyond some of the doors that I never would have been able to if I were just, you know, living on the American base. Uh, if I didn't sing, I wouldn't have gone to Vienna, which means I never would have experienced any of those things or met any of the people while there. And a lot of my social kind of professional networking came from living in Vienna. Uh, I was a little too young when I was in Moscow to really make like friends and have those kinds of connections, the the long-term ones, because I don't have the emails of any of these people. Um, but now from, from the school that I went to there, I have friends in, like I said, like China, Singapore, Japan, Germany, Australia, um, like lots of places. And if I wanted to go back to Europe at some point, or if I wanted to visit one of these countries, I have people that I could reach out to. Um, uh, as for the the favorite composer, uh, that's like asking my favorite sunset ever. <laughs> um, but if I had to narrow it down, if I'm just going with like old school classical, because that's what I was, you know, I, I've sung a lot of Mozart. I, it's a really boring classical, you know, classic kind of answer. Everybody's favorite is Mozart, but that would be him. Um, if I had to choose a modern one though, Hans Zimmer is an amazing composer. <laughs> so I don't think Mozart's boring. Yeah. There's a reason why he's everybody's favorite, right? Yeah, There's something about it. His music is fun to sing and there's something that, gets in your brain and stays there. And and yeah, and he was just a really fun personality when you look him up. He was just this ridiculous person. I so. was one of those He's weird fun. children
0: whose favorite, like one of my very favorite movies growing up was Amadeus, which is, you know.
1: Oh, um, I remember that movie. Obviously yeah. <laughs> about
0: Mozart and his life. And I don't know, I don't remember how uh. I got interested in Amadeus or what, but, like, I loved that movie. I watched it so many times. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really... It's really fun. It's good.
0: <laughs> of all things. Yeah, and... So what was the most <laughs> memorable international venue you ever got to sing in?
1: Oh, okay. Um, the most memorable is actually one from Russia. So, uh, the American base held an event uh, and then uh, uh, an Irish rock band called Tintle ended up performing there. And my parents at that age, you know, they were always like, hey, go ask if you can sing, you know, all the time, all the time. <laughs> um, so I did sing with them. And because my family has like Irish roots, uh, I had learned a couple of little Irish songs. Uh, so I sang with them and then I thought that was that. Um, but then uh, they asked around and they actually found me, I guess they, they, they found my parents and they asked if I would perform for an actual concert. Uh, so there was a concert in, in Moscow at this one big concert hall venue. And I practiced with them and it was really, really loud. (laughs) That's how I remember it. They were just, they were very loud. Uh, and then when I showed up, they gave me my own green room and this place, uh, was Filled with flowers, like the way that you'd imagine uh, in like Phantom of the Opera, like Christine Daae's room. Um, so it was filled with flowers, and then I went out and I saw I sang Tura Lura, Lura and um, the Irish lullaby and Danny Boy. Uh, and there was a, a little Russian boy who walked up to the stage and handed me a rose um, between the set. And then at the very end, I came out for like bows, I guess, and. Um, And, and people were throwing flowers on the stage to everybody. And, and, uh, they gave me this huge stuffed like Husky. That's like, it was almost as tall as I was at the time, which I still have. But then I went back to the green room. And there was a crowd of people standing around the door. So they had to like make a way for me to get in so I could get my stuff. And then they they kind of let in people and people asked me for my autograph. So there's like this dumb little eight year old version of my autograph out there someplace. Um, and a newspaper people came in and I didn't speak any Russian. So my dad had to translate. Um, cause he, he learned to speak Russian so he could do that job. Uh, so I have the newspaper clipping of, of it all in a Cyrillic. So all in Russian. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, it was, it was this, like, I don't know, this once in a lifetime kind of otherworldly experience.
0: <laughs> and you were only eight so.
1: I was eight, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. so,
0: for listeners, if you haven't already figured out from me raving about her talent, this little tiny package right here is full of talent. Like, the sound that comes out of that teeny tiny little, like, it just, it. it's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, how is growing up, or how... How is growing up and being educated in various different countries? How has that benefited you as an adult? We touched on it a little bit, but I guess I'll ask it more directly.
1: Okay. Um. So I guess going and and meeting people, knowing that you can make friends, and then seeing all these like random possibilities that you never imagined would exist. I, I mean, so there's you're not. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm stuck so much any, anymore. Uh, I know my options and I know that there's so much more out there and I'm not as afraid to leave my comfort zone for them because I do have friends and places. Um, so yeah, no one's actually stuck um, where, where they're at. If, if I'm ever not happy with where my life is, um, there's a lot of safe countries with kind people. Uh, I can go learn new things. I can work in new places. I can speak conversational German so I can get around, but German people learn English starting at fifth grade. So if you just need to get out, you're not stuck anywhere. <laughs> so that's kind of what I, Ooh, I think
0: that's powerful. I've had whole conversations <laughs> about how detrimental it can be when we feel stuck. And it just that knowledge that I'm never stuck mm. is so powerful. Like mental health wise, that is a very powerful tool to have in your mental health toolbox. You're, ne- yeah. you're never stuck. You're mm-hmm. never stuck. Like that's important. And that's powerful. I, f- I felt stuck mm-hmm. for years and I was so depressed. I was so trapped. And when I finally was like, I'm not stuck anywhere. And I was able to break out of that. It, it led to so much more <laughs> yeah. happiness and fulfillment and confidence in myself and just well-being. It's a powerful thing.
1: hmm you moved and you got to a new place and you always sacrifice something. You always have to like get rid of some stuff so you can move or, or you have to leave some friends and family. Um, but, but you're never actually in this box. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunities. Yes.
0: There's always a choice. That choice may not be easy. That choice may not be fun mm-hmm. in the moment, but there's always a choice. There's it's always. Convenient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you've been, a, you, your musical th- theater start came later because you were classically trained, but since you've started your musical theater adventure, and musical theater is kind of my my love, I one of my many loves. I have so many loves, mm. but that's like my jam. Oh, did I freeze? That's my jam, musical theater. And so I'm going to ask, oh, but just for a second, <laughs> just froze for a little bit, huh? What has been your favorite role or production that you've been a part of and why?
1: Oh, uh, you're because you mentioned it at the very beginning. You're probably <laughs> think I'm just like Andrew. Uh Okay, so as you know, there's a lot of competition in the performance vocation area. So I've done a lot of auditions and competitions, and a lot of the time, people are very cutthroat and they're not very nice. And then I moved to uh, Pocatello, and I've I've played main characters, named characters, but my favorite role or production wasn't even the one where I was a main character. It was actually Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, I was just ensemble, choir. The music is spectacular. The setting was beyond. and it was, it was so fun because everyone is ridiculously nice and supportive. And, and honestly, I'd never seen that anywhere else in the world, which I think I can say. <laughs> Cause yeah, I, I've, I've done other auditions, but, but Hunchback in Notre Dame was so fun and it had by far the best theater family. Mm. So I agree.
0: I it. That was a hard time <laughs> in my life, but it was still a beautiful <laughs> production and that, Every single performance mm-hmm. that music, you know, brought people to tears. What was it called when we first came out from yeah. intermission? We'd come out and sing in the that powerful choir that would come out right at, after intermission. What is that oh. number called? I can never, the entre act is that what it's called? Yes, oh, yes, Entrez. my goodness, like that's still like French with a little (laughs) of all the things of all the songs I've ever performed on stage in musical theater like that that moment always sticks in my brain because that was so powerful I mean it sure doesn't help that I have like Tiara Bird singing behind me on one side and Cassidy Lee singing behind me on another side like oh you guys you guys singing behind me with these like unworldly amazing talented voices like that it doesn't hurt that that that's who's singing on either side of me but it was such a, oh. oh, that was a moment. And everybody in that choir, let's be honest, every mm-hmm. single human in that cast was phenomenally, phenomenally talented. Yes. So, so good. And the sound that we were able to make together uh, was Alyssa Jones, was she who dre- her was our music director in that? Oh, and Jason. And yes, Jason, how- yeah,
1: Alyssa was the music director. And, I, think- and I, I was standing next to, no, I guess, Chloe. Oh, okay, there me. was another girl for the life of me. I can't remember her name. Amazing, amazing voice uh and yeah by the end of the play since it's the show is ba- like based on the disney movie but has the 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 storyline actually of the, yeah. the book, uh, by the end people were crying in oh tears. every night chloe was like her eyes were just it was <laughs> i thought she was acting and she's like no
0: oh my gosh when jenna blocked that scene where esmeralda spoiler when esmeralda Dies when Jenna blocked that scene. Do you remember that when yes. they like fixed the blocking and they like finalized the blocking? That's the first time we ever did that scene, and I was one of the very fortunate saints that got to come out and like mourn and be a part of that. I just remember everybody. everybody was oh, crying. Yeah. Everybody was crying, even in the cast because like this is beautiful. Like this whole thing is so beautiful, and then all the Latin mm-hmm. music. And I mean, that was the also awesome, the most challenging. Oh, the that was the most challenging mm-hmm. musical I've ever been in musically because. I'm not classically trained and singing, learning everything in Latin and singing in Latin and all it was, but the music is so amazing. Oh, that was a. Oh
1: man. I, I think I was actually lucky. Cause I, I'm Catholic. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> Latin is like, with, <laughs> yeah, I just grew yeah. up with it. <laughs> so, but yeah, just overall, that was a lot, a lot of Latin, a lot of music and it was, yeah, there's, there's nothing like actually being in the, oh, in the middle so of that, good. and and I was on the second tier, kind of one of those super oh, high oh, riser those. areas, so I got to look down and see this. Oh, but it was the best view in the house. Oh. You got <laughs> oh, I only had to go up there once, and I'm pretty sure
0: Jenna did that on purpose because she knows how incredibly scared of heights I am oh. only one scene did I have to be up oh, on that no. platform and the first time I went out there my legs were shaking so bad like I was just like oh my gosh I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna poo myself no. on stage in front of everybody because it's <laughs> i <I'm> so <laughs> terrified but by the end of it I, I I could like turn off my mental whatever was happening and just like get up there and sing and I, I had some of my I think I had my some of my lines <coughs> up there and I can project dang it and so like I was definitely one of the ones you could hear from up yes. there when I was like, I don't remember what I screamed from up there, but I screamed something.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody got a mic. Oh, no. Not so. we have a cast that big yeah, at, you had to... at
0: this community theater that, I mean, mics are expensive, so they work with what they have. And mm-hmm. that's a big, it's a big thing at the Palace Theater, like project, project. And I was like, oh, heck yes, I can project. I can project. <laughs> that whole theater can hear me right
1: they don't give you microphones in opera so oh well, you can project so that was they're like diaphragm yeah. diaphragm it's like we won't give you microphones
0: that's like oh yeah, see look sorry. oh the talent we had in that show was incredible the, remember the very first practice when we ever like all mm-hmm. sang together was, like at this dance studio the very first practice and people have videos yes. of it ever and everyone, even then was like this is going to be amazing like this is this is intense like this is powerful
1: that's right. Oh yeah. Well the acoustics in
0: there
1: was... were perfect. Was... That that was so fun. That was the was best. Good
0: music. <laughs> so, and it was a good it was good. Yeah. Um, all right. So I don't want to leave anything else. What's next in your journey, your musical journey, your life journey, your travel journey? What's next in your journey and how can my listeners support you?
1: Okay, well, right now I'm just kind of enjoying being in Idaho. um, I'm working on some writing projects. Uh, I did graduate. I I switched from vocal performance to English halfway. So I actually got my bachelor's degree in English Mm -hmm. literature. Um, So yeah, I'm just kind of having fun. I'm enjoying the local views uh, and the fact that I understand all of the language so I can eavesdrop on anybody I want. That's Um, that's (laughs) the best way to get educated as a writer because you want to use real, you know, Right, it's like I'm stealing your essence, random person. You know who just walked past Ooh, that's, me at the party. That's a good line so. for my book. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, exactly. He just said something ridiculous. Let me write that down. Uh, so at the moment, I- I'm just kind of enjoying things. But if if I ever decided to get back into music record anything I, I'd love to have people that are willing to oh,
0: listen to why it. wouldn't you
1: <laughs> so why wouldn't see.
0: they <laughs> beautiful voice and I hope you still keep performing as well at the palace theater and wherever else you decide to perform oh
1: yeah well, sister act wow. is coming up uh, I'm a I'm actually in the ensemble for the choir again. So Sister I'm Act is <laughs> so
0: much fun and the music in Sister Act again, oh, so yeah. much fun. That's just like that's one of those musicals from open to close is just high energy and fun. Mm-hmm. And like you cannot leave that musical as an audience member not feeling like, hey,
1: you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think they chose the perfect director for that because uh Phil is the director for this one and he's the one that played cosmo and singing in the rain and cosmo has the most high energy like difficult you know so yeah i i think they chose exactly the right director for this one because that's all that's that's his thing it will be great it's such (laughs) a good show it really is it's
0: such a good Mm -hmm. show all right so go watch for cassidy and all of her pursuits because they're going to be amazing and You know, follow, do whatever you got to do. And I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I need to pick your brain about, your awesome life story and living everywhere? Uh, (laughs) It's such an amazing story.
1: Yeah, any... It's such an amazing story.
0: Like, that is so... Most... uh, Well, I don't... I Is that generalizing? I don't know. But most children don't get that opportunity where you get to be educated. And I'm not just talking about, you know, language and are even and like you had a global education. Mm. You learned about life and about humanity yeah. <laughs> and about I was really yeah, all over the world. And that is <laughs> so incredible. Um as an adult I still hope to learn more because every time I travel anywhere I learn something and I it's just it's amazing. I haven't done this nearly as much traveling as yes. I hope to one day do, but like Rome, Italy we went kind of all over Italy, but it was amazing amazing it was one of my favorite mm-hmm. trips i've ever been on and it was mm, i love history so i love seeing all the hist- historical places um i love english obviously like i'm an english teacher but being able to see some of a, yeah. a lot of a <laughs> lot of literary works if they're not set in these places or were written in these places they mention these places you know getting to see them in person amazing
1: mm-hmm. um Yeah. If, um, yeah, if, if you liked Peter Pan or any of the Sherlock Holmes, Edinburgh, Scotland is one of the greatest cities I've ever been to. I felt so safe there. And if you just want, if you like that, um, fall old historical semi, you know, mysterious witchy vibe kind of Edinburgh is your place. (laughs) Um, so yeah, go there for any of that. And then yeah, England's, uh, the Globe oh. Theater is really, really cool. And it has a really, really old uh, restaurant built on like the original foundation or the, like the original building. Um, and it was really cool. But uh, I've never been to Japan. That's the, no- the number one on my bucket list. So I want to get there. I, I think my <laughs>
0: husband's very, like that's point. one of his top two is Japan. But all of us in my family, I don't know how Scotland uh, came into the play, but even even my daughter's, I don't know where mm. they're started, but they're like, we want to go to Scotland. And I'm like, yeah, Scotland's awesome. My personal fascination mm. with Scotland started with Outlander. And I was like, hmm, Scotland. Uh,
1: yeah. But uh, the history, too. Man, they did a really good job. The no. history, too. And, and <laughs> the later seasons yeah. take
0: place in North Carolina. So...
1: <laughs> oh, I only watched... Oh, what's that Give away I think... Spoiler. Uh, Oh no. it's okay. yeah,
0: it's North Carolina. No way. No, that's uh, hey, One amazing thing no, about moving no, was, out here no. is that there is so much history because North Carolina is one of the oldest mm-hmm. places in the United States in America. Because like the very first settlement was Roanoke Island that mysteriously disappeared. Like there's a good story. Anyways, and that's just you know a couple, an hour right. or two or two hours by two hours north of us. Um, I mean. Probably longer a lot ferries of... and all that kind of stuff up the Outer Banks, <laughs> but yeah, that was the first the first settlers from mm-hmm. England ever that came to North America settled in North Carolina on Roanoke Island, and then they mysteriously disappeared and without a trace, and no one knows what happened. There, yeah,
1: I love that. The old I I do the East Coast for that the uh, the historical colonial kind of yeah, towns. so many. Um, and, and actually the harbors and being able to sit and have like English, tea, British tea set in front of you and look yes. out on the water. Uh, beautiful. Yeah. It's, it was really nice. Yes. Living there too. It, is, it is. It is beautiful.
0: And there's a lot of really, really interesting history. One of the oldest cities in North Carolina is New Bern, which is just an hour, less than an hour north of us. And there's, there's some.
1: I was in a plane. Oh, really? New Bern.
0: oh I love New Bern. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the the old theater that they say is haunted, uh, I was in right before Your Eyes, which was all, uh, we all had to do um, sign language for it. So I played oh. baby bear when I was, I don't remember how old, really young. So no, Newburn is an amazing place to go to. I mean,
0: to. they also, where Pepsi Cola was founded, yeah. but you know well i'm not a, i'm not really a, i'm not really a soda drinker but it is cool you can still go to the pharmacy where it was created because it was like a healthy alternative mm-hmm. to coke because it didn't have cocaine in it and you can, you can go oh. to the pharmacy because it's developed by a doctor pharmacist there in Newburn, and they still have the building that stands there and they still have like the original pharmacy counter and they still serve pepsi from that original wow. counter and stuff it's like it's now like its own little mini how
1: did we not do
0: mini museum it's, it's not like we it's not like big that. or touristy. You kind of just like walking around Old Town, Newburn, and you're like, "Huh, what's this? Huh, this is the birthplace of Pepsi." Like, it's not big mm-hmm. or flashy or anything like that, but it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: and the wow. Tryon
0: Palace—that's really cool. I it's right down back. the street. The
1: uh, Tryon Palace—that was my favorite place. We, we were—we went there for a, a yes. field trip when I was in. I took Ben I I love... I was I was the
0: chaperone Venna went with her class this last school year and I was a chaperone. That's how I went to it and I was like this place is so good. So good. That's a fast oh, field trip.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad there's still like it's still um being Oh, it's, it, <laughs> i have a bachelor's no, they in english do, uh,
0: i do that <laughs> I'm all, glad the,
1: time. They're take, take all
0: the time i have to correct myself and be like mm-hmm. i am an english and not even just an english teacher i teach honors english in high school and i all the time have to correct myself <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it's okay
1: uh i also funny. live in the south so i can
0: use that <laughs> as an excuse now
1: <laughs> oh yeah but, I might have to visit you. Okay, this
0: is an open invitation. I don't know if people ever take me seriously, but this is an open invitation. We have a guest suite. You're welcome anytime. Come out, utilize that unutilized guest suite. And we are a really nice thing about where we are located is that we are an hour in any direction from, or hour or two from, so many cool spots. So many. If you want to go to all the places Blackbeard was like frequenting, like the the places where Blackbeard. (gasps) But like his ship is being excavated still like his flagship right off the coast of North Carolina, like just an hour north of us. Um, it's been it's been like a, years of process. They have to do it like certain times of the year because of the weather and season and all that stuff. But yeah, New Bern is an hour, less than an hour from us. We're an hour and a half or something from Beaufort, which Beaufort's one of my very favorite places. Another really, really mm-hmm. old. That was there's a house that still stands there that. It was, like, a uh, inn that Blackbeard stayed at, frequented. And you could just drive right by it. Somebody lives in it. Like, it's not oh. a museum or anything. Like, I'm sure they think it's weird that people drive by and take pictures of their house. But <laughs> it's such a cool place. Oh, I love the history. I love being able to drive less than an hour any direction and see incredible historical places. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Wilmington? Yeah.
1: And then... Oh, did you ever go to Wilmington? And <laughs> Not just oh, yeah, Carolina. The North the You could drive any and then into the other states and see yeah haunted lighthouses i need to see at least one haunted lighthouse. i don't know
0: what's haunted what's not <laughs> but i went on a trip last labor day to see all of the lighthouses <laughs> along the coast and oh i love lighthouses wow. love the lighthouses <laughs> yeah and you can do it all in one mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah oh bucket list (laughs) so good well before (laughs) we go my my friend i've had so much fun talking to you i always do a three by three at the end of every episode where you give because we imagine that the whole world is going to listen to this podcast you give listeners three Mm. takeaways (laughs) in the next three minutes from this conversation if there were three things you wanted them to take away from this what would they be
1: Oh, okay. Uh, one, if you're unhappy with your life, you aren't stuck. There are safe countries to move to, English-speaking jobs. Heck, all of Great Britain speaks English, so you can go to Scotland. Uh, yes, you'll have to sacrifice something, uh, the apartment you like, belongings, fam- some living your family, but there are so many options. Germany is amazing, too. And Vienna is one of the safest cities in the world. So is Tokyo. So take the leap. <laughs> um, number two... Human beings are ultimately the same everywhere. Uh, The super corrupt politicians on top are always the face of it. But the average citizen is really just like you and me. Everybody wants to feel special, to be comfortable, to have meaningful relationships. Um, Everyone just wants to be safe, happy, healthy, and provided for. So, you can make friends with anyone, and you don't you don't have to be i mean there are some unsafe countries that you really shouldn't go to, particularly as an American right now. I wouldn't recommend going to Russia uh <laughs> right now um but you can make friends with anyone if you really dig down into just human nature um, and then the third I would say is just your 100% based like where you are is based on your decisions, the big and the small ones. Um, being in the military family, it, it just, that was one thing that that taught me that the littlest things, the decision to to go one place, or the decision to do or study something else, you end up in, in this particular place. My, my dad didn't have to take the job in Germany, he could have chosen a different place because he actually retired uh, from the military, but he still was able to work as a civilian on the American base. So he could have chosen some place else and I never would have met my husband. So big or little, your, your daily decisions change everything. If you do yoga and drink water every day, you'll be healthier this time next year. Uh, if you decided to move to Japan and teach kids English, I I can't even tell you where you'd be because I've never been there, but, but you'll experience. Things you never, you never expected. I love so, that.
0: Yeah. I love all of those. I think those are very <laughs> beneficial for everybody to know and everybody to exercise. One of my very recent interviews was with somebody who learned to love travel, to le- who learned to li- live in a way that you're always a tourist, you're never stuck kind of mentality from living in South Korea mm-hmm. as an English Teacher with her husband, like they, right after they got married, they moved to South Korea for several years and taught English, taught English in South Korea. And it was an amazing experience for them. It's really cool. It was really cool. And (laughs) I remembered as you were talking about people being, you know, people being people everywhere, when I did Matilda, which is that's my favorite role I've ever played was was the librarian.
1: Oh, I saw Mrs. Phelps. Mrs. Phelps
0: and Matilda was my favorite role of all time. And when we were, when we were doing Matilda, there are there's like a whole scene with Russian people in it and they speak Russian and nobody knew how to pronounce Russian. And so I reached out to Casey Madison, who have been interviewed on my show, and they both speak Russian. I re- I reached out to them and I was like, hey, guys, I, we need help with this pronunciation on the Russian for these. And I didn't have to speak Russian, but, you know, for everybody else in the show. And they went above me on and they contacted a friend in Russia who sent us a video pronouncing very slowly, all of these different lines in Russian. Oh,
1: that's perfect! And it was like, people are wow. people everywhere, and
0: they're helping. You know, it was it was incredible.
1: I thought that sounded authentic. Yeah, they, <laughs> that
0: this perfect. friend in Russia was so kind to send us recordings of him pronouncing all of these Russian lines. And Harrison and Miley, like they just mm-hmm. because they, those those two used Russian quite a bit in the scene, and they they listen and they learn their Russian
1: right i wonder if they could uh i don't know if they could pick it up faster now that they know how it sounds maybe <laughs> i wonder if they could do that oh
0: living <laughs> somewhere else. and that's one of the biggest things too i think about living somewhere else is learning another language what a gift um like my husband got to live in Italy for a few years and he learned Italian and then came back to Idaho and they didn't have Italian as like wow. a minor in college at Idaho State University. So he decided to minor in Spanish because if you already know a Latin based language, it some makes it easier to learn another one. I don't know. Maybe not for me, but for him. So right. by living in Italy, there's some by living in Italy, he actually <laughs> ended up learning both Italian and Spanish. He minored in Spanish and now he speaks three languages, you know. That's it's it's really cool. Wow.
1: That's really impressive. I I, my brain does not pick up language easily. But I I will say that um, if you do speak one language, it's uh, or even a little bit of one language, it is way easier to pick up the others once you reach that point. Um, But yeah, so I I can order and have general conversations. But my little sister's fluent. And and uh and it sounds really it she likes to um vent in German sometimes just because she knows oh. it sounds funny. <laughs> that's funny. And it's just this stream of angry oh, German. And that sounds <laughs> extra angry, right? So like the guttural yeah, like. And so she could go back oh, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, well yeah. It's actually funny because oh, go if ahead. You, sorry, if you listen to people speak their normal language just like as they would just speak to a friend everything sounds beautiful <laughs> and, but you know some languages sound extra angry yes angry. I think
0: that's like and that, that, I think yeah, that's that also in awesome. America, like we've been shown that in the media like <laughs> angry German angry Russians mm, and like yeah, that's that's what we've been <laughs> even angry Italians if we're being yeah. honest like that's what we've been shown and like that's, so then we, uh-huh. we get these preconceived notions about things and it's not true when you listen to it, like you said, when you're in another country and you listen to them communicate in their native language, it's beautiful. It is mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, yeah. And I, I do not speak mm-hmm. other languages. I speak muy pequeño, Espanol, and, you know, even less Italian.
1: Speak even less
0: Italian, <laughs> but what's uh, funny is I don't speak them, but because I've been around core speaking these t- people, like I can understand a lot. Like they could, the other day we were at an Italian restaurant and core was having a conversation oh. with an Italian waiter who's from Italy. And even though I can't necessarily speak the language, I understood every single thing they said. Like it was weird. Like yeah. I could follow the conversation uh-huh, That's uh-huh. really. Uh-huh. and I totally knew it.
1: It does seem like you can. You can understand and read it way faster than you can speak and write it. But yeah, it's amazing how much you actually understand from just listening to a language that you're familiar with.
0: It's cool. So everybody get out, globally educate your, is that even, I don't know if that's, correct English, but educate yourself globally if you're at all able to. If you can't travel to other countries, you can still learn about other countries. We live in a world where everybody's connected by technology. You can meet and talk to other people in other countries by other modalities. You don't have to even travel there if you're not able to. Or you can save up, and while you're saving up, you can learn another language. My 12-year-old is on like several month streak of Duolingo because she's teaching herself Spanish uh, just because she wanted to. And so, yeah, there's so many resources out there and it's, I don't think it will ever harm you just to
1: Mm.
0: educate, you know, just to learn, just to
1: grow. Well, you'll never regret learning something. Yes, and it's like, it was like that
0: opening (laughs) quote, a mind that is stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions. And I love that. Oliver Wendell Holmes, preach. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much, Cassidy. It was so nice catching up. Come visit. That room is open
1: to you anytime you want. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me. Uh, um, And yeah, thanks so much. We'll talk to you
0: later. Bye.
1: Bye.